Phil, Christmas is over, and in the grand tradition of the lectionary and actually of our entire culture, Christmas is completely gone now. Uh, the 12 days of Christmas doesn't seem to make any difference anymore, does it? So now we're focused uh, on, um, well, soon we'll be focused on hot cross buns, I reckon, by about tomorrow afternoon. But now yeah. we're focused on uh, Jesus, his mother and father in the temple with Simeon and Anna. Tell us what we're going to do with it. Yeah, you wonder if uh, the Jesus and Mary and Joseph went to the temple for the Boxing Day sales, don't you? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure that they did. What one of my key questions about this passage, Paul, and uh, some of the commentaries give a hint is how much longer after the birth of Jesus are we? Um, and one commentary I said I read said. Um, they're in the temple for Mary's purification, not Jesus. Yeah, they're not there to dedicate him. They're there because she has to go through the purification and that that happened 40 days later. So we're still dealing with a 40-day-old baby. Yeah. Um, so how much can you get out of that? He, he's not preaching or teaching yet. Um, but what we've got here are, I think, First recognition stories, even though he's only 40 days old, if, if that's Jesus' age, um, significant, devout religious people recognise him. They know that this is uh, the Messiah's come amongst them, even as a baby. Um, and I think it's very significant the status that each of Simeon and Anna have. Um, Simeon, righteous and devout, um, living with the promise of seeing the Messiah, um, Anna called a prophet. Um, so they're significant characters, aren't they? They are, even though they disappear completely after these verses are done. Uh, yeah, I, I think you, you're probably right. It is more about Mary than it is about Jesus. So it's it's quite a surprise to turn up to do the normal thing and have all these people tell you this stuff about Jesus. Now, of course, in the Luke story, um, the uh, the shepherds have already done the same thing. Um, I, the way I'm thinking about it is, you know how um, in Judaism, uh, and there's a couple of places in the Old Testament where uh, the temple is considered, or Jerusalem itself, with the temple encased in it, is considered to be the navel of the world, the heart of the world. So yep. it, I'm, I'm seeing one way we could think about this is Mary, Joseph, are going uh, on a literal and symbolic journey. The literal journey is from wherever they happen to be at this point to the temple. The symbolic journey is away from the sort of small and the domestic, um, which they've been rightly involved in, you know, the idea that uh, there's just the three of them and that the baby's born and it's healthy enough to keep going. From that to the cosmic, um, they've moved into the cosmic experience of the world. They're taking Jesus uh, who's going to be designated as holy to the Lord. So moving away from just the domestic into the cosmic, into the, this is the, you know, is the desert, desert Tarana, I never know how to pronounce that, uh, Max Ehrman's poem, um, as a child of the universe. Uh, and I reckon that there's a similar yeah. journey going on here in this story. Well, yeah, yeah. You must be right, because I wondered to myself, why did Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple? Um, and, of course, the answer is because if they were to do something significant and religious, they couldn't go anywhere else. Um, we're before the time of local synagogues, so they can't pop into the local synagogue in Bethlehem. Um, you're absolutely right in identifying Jesus, uh, Jerusalem rather, 
as the religious, cultural, social uh, centre of the known of known life in those days. Yeah. Um, and I think it's significant that when they get there, um, they are recognised by uh, standout people of faith, by people who, I mean, you must have hung around the temple looking and saying, there's dear old Simeon. You yes. know, he's still waiting for the fulfilment of God's promises. He's still here at his age. Yes. Uh, you know, and here's Anna over here. And each of them are turning their attention um, to recognise uh, this precious child. Yeah, and it's interesting in that they're constantly looking forward they're not looking back. It's, I mean, they're in the middle of one of their great traditions, the temple. So they carry the tradition with them, but they reinterpret it in the moment for the future, yes. which is, you know, it's constantly the work that we're supposed to be doing, you know, taking the, our traditions of faith, but our traditions of culture and trying to make sense of them in yeah. the current climate for uh, looking forward, in this case, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the, the redemption of Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah, and and to me, uh, two things are uh, worth underlining here is after this encounter in, in Luke, um, Jesus just quietly grows um, in status and in favour with people, um, but nothing else happens now for another 30-plus years. Um, yeah. So you've got this, this de definitive age-based story and then nothing for a long time. So... Yeah. In essence, this story has to carry us for a long time until we get to the uh, onset of the ministry of Jesus. Yeah, I think the other own... thing that I think we need to underline is that four times in these nineteen verses, Luke is at pains to say, in accordance with the law of Moses, yeah. um, according to what was written in the law of Moses, and all of this was completed according to the law of the Lord. He says it four times in yeah. this one passage. Yeah, I think that's underlined. I mean, not that you'd think it needs underlining. They're in the temple. You know, it can't be any more um, uh, traditional or any more steeped in the in the culture than that. But, yeah, you're right. He keeps on underlining it. The other thing he does, too, is talk about the idea of light, which, you know, we usually associate with John's gospel, but the, the light to the Gentiles uh, and the falling and rising of many, you know, there's a... There's a kind of, uh, it's obviously a foreshadowing of what's to come. But I, I wonder whether this idea of the light to the Gentiles is that, that the falling and rising is those who would deny the truth or deny the light. You know, because the problem with light is it shows everything. You can't keep hidden uh, what is in the light. Uh, and if you're longing to be uh, in the light, then this is good news. But if you're longing to hide yourself away, as we constantly are, yeah. we, we've, we've got a longing to be known and to be in true communion with each other. Uh, but we hold so much of ourselves back and keep it in the shadows, yeah. fearful uh, to be known. Uh, and so I get, I wonder if the rising and falling is the, that that's the rhythm of our lives. You know, we open ourselves up to the world and we get hurt. So we close ourselves down. We, you know, we're rising and we're falling and uh, we, we believe the truth of it. And then we don't, we believe our own fecklessness and brokenness over and over again. You know, it's, I think that might be um, sort of heading into what it will look like when people confront Jesus as an adult. Yeah. 
Yeah, lovely thoughts. And and this this as well as that tension between light and darkness rising and falling, there's all those also the tension which you've pointed to, um, looking to the future but still holding to the past. You know, mm. this is all still according to the law of Moses, but it's got this future dimension. It's opening up. Um, you know, something new is happening. So mm. I think all all of that's there as well. Um, before we finish. You made the point that being in the hub of Jerusalem, being at the temple, um, the story has moved to a grander stage. Um, I also want to hold on to the fact that at the same time as it does that, it's intensely personal. Mm. Um, I think in the characters of Simeon and Anna, you've got the faith made absolutely real for individuals. Um, mm. And the demonstration of that is... Um, Simeon singing of what now is known as the Nunc Dimittis, now let your servant depart in peace. Um, it's almost like Simeon has had his dying wish fulfilled yeah. um, and he's now ready to let go of this life. So as well as the cosmic dimensions, there are some wonderfully personal dimensions about the revelation of the uh, of the Messiah in this baby Jesus. Yeah, I think that's right. When you're saying that, it reminded me, I think it's a Rembrandt painting. Um, he's Rembrandt painted this thing over and over again. But in this particular one that's in my mind, uh, there's just Anna and uh, and Joseph and Mary and the baby. And, and it looks like possibly Simeon in the background. Oh, it's very dark. And they're against this enormous pillar. It gives you the impression of the size of the temple, but they're sort of this little personal thing off in one corner with all the business of the temple going on around them. They're in that very personal moment. It, that's what you've said. Just reminded me of that of that painting. I think it's Rembrandt. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. All right. And let it be noted in finishing, Simeon blesses them. Yeah. And it's there's something amazing. wonderful in that, that, yeah. that the, the Holy Family, young as they are with their precious baby, they get blessed by this righteous faithful old man who's been at the temple all these days. We we have people like that in our churches, my friend, yeah, yeah. Um, and they are a blessing to us. So I, th I think it's lovely that this story is one of these lovely religious figures, faithful to the last, bringing blessing to the young holy family. Yeah, great way to finish. That's lovely. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs>